Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, February 12th. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me. And I want to open with, I think, the Bracket Preview Show. It aired uh, on Saturday on CBS. That's America's most watched network. That's the network of stars. The selection committee uh, revealed the top four seeds in each region. The biggest surprise, I thought, uh, maybe other than Florida being a three seed, Florida State being a two seed, Wisconsin being left out completely, was Gonzaga being the fourth number one seed. They are ranked number one in the country in the AP poll, coaches poll, and most important, the CBS Sports Top 25 and 1, but they're actually the fourth number one seed. Did that surprise you, Norlander? Should Zags fans be going crazy on the verge of rioting right now? Uh, that's, that's a little too hardcore, Parrish. They should not be on the verge of rioting. I also wonder if like Mark Few even saw this and even cared. <laughs> I I, I, tr- uh, trust me, Mark, Mark couldn't care less. Yeah, exactly, which I uh, got to love you for that. Um, Butler being a four was the biggest surprise to me. I actually didn't think that Butler would be uh, in the conversation to be on the top four lines, even though the Bulldogs have good wins. They've got some concerning losses. Uh, Gonzaga not being a top two uh, team on the list uh, was the second biggest surprise to me. I basically thought it was going to be between Nova and Gonzaga. I did think Gonzaga would be the number one overall seed when this came out. So, yeah. Uh, surprise, and I'll be interested to see what these committee chairman, Mark Hollis, does with Gonzaga and the rest of the committee because this happens before they beat St. Mary's. Now they have the road win at St. Mary's. Now they're probably going to – I mean it's it's almost a mortal lock, GP, that they're going to end the regular season undefeated, and then they're going to have the WCC tournament where they'll obviously have a really good chance at, uh, at not losing again there. So to me, if Gonzaga enters the NCAA tournament without a loss – yeah, they better be the number one overall seed. I would certainly give them that. And this this number four overall pecking order for the Zags, I think, has led some people to think that Gonzaga does not have firm ground to stand on and that a loss might bump them to the two line. I'll say this. Uh, either Kansas or Baylor will take another loss because they got to play each other again. Villanova might not take another loss, and if they end the season with only two losses, GP, that's fine. Like that they would have a, a case given their strength of schedule. I would understand if they wanted to continue with them as the number one overall seed. But to me, no matter where Gonzaga takes a loss, whether it's abnormally in the regular season and then they get the auto bid in the WCC tournament, or if they don't lose again until even like let's say a semifinals loss against BYU in the, in the West Coast Conference uh, tournament. I would have them as a one no matter what with one loss. I think they've done enough and they've earned that. I I think the committee would have a lot of explaining to do if Gonzaga were to lose a game, no matter where that was, and were to drop them to the two line. I just don't I don't see that happening because you would you look at the other teams on the two line, Kansas or Baylor will lose again and uh, and so we go. But yeah, that's a long way of saying Gonzaga being number four is something that I don't agree with whatsoever. Gonzaga undefeated is I think undeniably going to get a, a one seed, probably I would assume the one seed in the West. Um, Gonzaga with one loss, I think still deserves a one seed. I mean, when you look at their resume, I know they play in the West coast conference as opposed to the big 12 or the ACC. And I admit and acknowledge they wouldn't be undefeated if they played in those leagues, but um, you know, they, they are undefeated and not only are they undefeated, they are undefeated with six top 50 RPI wins. Now I know when the committee put this together, they only had five because it was before uh, Saturday night's uh, pretty easy victory for them at St. Mary's. Like they were really, they led by 15 in the first half. They were never seriously threatened in the second half. Like they controlled that 
uh, from start to finish. Uh, but they do have they got six top fifty wins and zero losses, and the wins are over uh, an Arizona team that's obviously really good. And I Alonzo Tree didn't play in that game, gotcha. But like Arizona was still good then. Uh, they beat the Florida team that's beaten Kentucky that uh, the committee seems to think highly of because they've got them as a top three seed. Uh, they've beaten St. Mary's twice. They beat the Tennessee team uh, that beat Kentucky. Um, they've beaten Akron, which is a, a top 40 win. And here's the other thing. When you look at some of the one seeds, like Kansas has lost at home to Iowa State. Um, Gonzaga beat Iowa State. And I know it, it doesn't all match up like this matters and that, whatever. But like, my point is, Gonzaga's not just undefeated against a schedule that uh, that presented no challenges. They have won all the games while watching other one seeds lose games that that are similar to the ones they've won. In other words, you know, they don't have to go test themselves as often as Villanova does. But Villanova lost to Marquette. Um, you know, uh, Gonzaga's got certainly got a lot better wins than, than Marquette. In other words, they've avoided these losses that Villanova hasn't avoided, that Kansas hasn't avoided. And they've got six top 50 wins. Kansas only has seven. So the idea that you could get them as the fourth number one, which means you've got to think three teams have done more this season than Gonzaga, um, I, I thought was just wrong. I, they got the four number one seeds correct, but they didn't get them in the right order. Now, it might not mean that much because ultimately Gonzaga is going to – you know, whether it's the number, if it's the number one overall seed, it'll be the one seed in the West. And obviously, at least according to the committee right now, if it's the fourth number one seed, it's also the number one seed in the West. So perhaps this doesn't matter nearly as much as, um, as we're making it sound like it matters. But I, I if you're going to sit down and do this stuff, I'd like to see the order make some sense to me. And the, the order of the top four seeds didn't make any sense to me. The one thing I saw, though, that jumped out at me is that might help explain why they don't value Gonzaga's zero in the loss column might be because they don't care about the loss column, or at least didn't seem to care nearly about the loss column as much as I care about the loss column. In other words, Florida state is a two. Um, Butler is a four. Florida state has three sub 50 RPI losses. Butler has three sub 50 RPI losses. Now they both got great wins, but they do have these, awful losses on the resume and yet the committee didn't seem to be bothered by that nearly as much as I would be bothered by that and if you agree with me there that they don't seem bothered by Florida State's losses or Butler's losses then what that suggests is they don't seem bothered by the loss column in general and if you're not bothered or concerned with the loss column in general then Gonzaga's zero in the loss column doesn't mean that much to you does that make any sense at all it does what what I think listeners should be taking stock in here is that this season should be the final season that the selection committee is so heavily relying on RPI data on team sheets that are built off of RPI numbers and within that you look at top 25 wins top 50 wins using those columns is something that uh, I'm against and many people are against because um, you cut off at 50 to 51 right and you can get some trouble with that and I actually think that because what you mentioned there uh, when you can sort out losses like that, I think it's easier uh, to get obstructed in terms of looking at a team's resume against other like teams in a balanced way. I think uh, looking at top 25 wins, top 50 wins, top you know sub 50 losses, stuff like that, it it, it should be more including where you won and neutral away. How do you, how have you done in those kind of regards? And by the way, 
these concepts are have been discussed by the NCAA and should be implemented along with a composite for next year. And a quick note on Gonzaga and Mark Few. Mark Few was part of the ad hoc coaches committee that went to the NCAA last summer and said, we want, you know, A, B, and C, one of those things being a composite. And so um, Few, even though his team right now is not is not benefiting from the current system that the uh, selection committee is using, I actually believe that they went off of procedures that I think they'll start going off of next year, GP, that Gonzaga would be a number two uh, the number two team on the overall list at worst Florida State being a two is a little surprising and Butler I didn't think should have been on there Kentucky at three I have a hard time uh, agreeing with but hey it, we, we have a we have a snapshot here and the, the biggest thing to remember is that a lot of this is going to get really jumbled uh, come selection Sunday well it's funny like you know you do this in real time and then I think I'd made this point before like two hours later it was going to be dated because you know, Florida State, if you if you did the same process again today, Florida State wouldn't be a oh. two. You know, they just lost at Notre Dame. And Butler wouldn't probably wouldn't be a four uh, because it, it just took a loss at Providence. So, yeah, all of this is very, very fluid. Yeah, super fluid. Dude, Butler probably shouldn't even be on the five line with the loss against Providence. Uh, when you look at the totality of their of their losses at this point, without a doubt. So, um, the, in general, the two through four line was a super cram, and I, there was definitely a line uh, a line of separation with the one seeds and everyone that was a two overall. Um, but yeah, Gonzaga in the win at St. Mary's. That's uh, that's a huge one. I, I by the way, I am putting myself self administered. Regular season probation, GP, right alongside you on straight-up calls because I said St. Mary's would win straight-up over Gonzaga. Nope. And I said Xavier would win straight-up over Villanova. Nope. I was way off on both, so I'm done. Yeah, and you, you like you weren't close. I like, like you know, uh, Xavier didn't come close to winning. Like, it wasn't even a competitive game in the second half. And then, of course, uh, I, I know St. Mary's, like, made a little late run at one point. But Gonzaga was never in trouble. Never in trouble at all. They controlled it. Um, I believe they led for all but 22 seconds of the game. Like, the first, like St. Mary's scored first. And led for 22 seconds, and I think after that it was all uh, all Gonzaga. And so now they're 26 and 0 with 23 double digit wins, six top 50 wins. Um, like it's a hell of a resume, and it's a good it's a it's a good basketball team. Ranked number one at Ken Palm, top five offensive efficiency rating, top five defensive efficiency rating. Interesting. Tom Furman, uh, who's an odds maker, uh, tweeted me uh, earlier in the day, and he said that year in and year out. Um, you know, uh, professional bettors tend to think that Gonzaga is overrated, like overrated by the public, overrated by the polls. But they, he said that's not true this year. Like they're not to the to the extent that maybe in a different year you would yell, Gonzaga's overrated. They wouldn't be rated here if they played in a real league. Like in some of those years, you might be right, or at least the, there are pro you know professional bettors who would gamblers who would agree with you. But if you're saying that right now. And trust me, every time I tweet about Gonzaga, I got people saying that right now. Just know that the professional gamblers, they, they don't agree with you this year. They look at this Gonzaga team and all the ways that they look at this Gonzaga team, and they think it's legit. And yet, ultimately, it's just going to, and we've talked about this before, so we don't have to spend a lot of time with it. But it's just going to come down to, you know, can they go to the Final Four or not? Because if they don't, it'll be used to, as an, as, you know, to discount their entire body of work. And it'll be used for pe- uh, by people who will insist they didn't deserve the one seed to begin with. And my big problem with that has always been we don't say that about any other school. Like most number one seeds, year in and year out, don't go to the Final Four. 
And when it's Kansas, we just say, hey, what are you going to do? You know, sometimes Kansas loses, you know, it's basketball. And when it's Virginia or when it's Arizona or when it's whomever, it's like, hey, you know, the, the March Madness, here we go again. But when it's Gonzaga or Wichita State or somebody from outside of the power structure, if they don't live up to their seed, there's a contingent of fans who always insist what it proves is that they didn't deserve their seed. And I just think that's so fundamentally wrong. Like Gonzaga is going to, based on what Gonzaga has done this season, deserve to be a one seed. And then they'll have to go play a single elimination tournament of 40-minute basketball games. And guess what? They might get caught somewhere. Just like, guess what? So might Villan- Could happen to Villanova as well. Could happen to Kansas as well. Could happen to Baylor as well. I just wish we would get to a point where Gonzaga falling short of the Final Four as a one seed doesn't obviously mean they didn't deserve the one seed with some fans, but um, I don't think we're going to get to that point. I agree. So you and I both were traveling um, yesterday, at least early yesterday. I think you traveled in the afternoon, actually. Um, uh, but it, it, it was a busy Saturday of college basketball, but not like a crazy Saturday of college basketball. Like nothing really that interesting happened. Like Florida State lost at Notre Dame. Um, but really out, outside of that, Butler lost at Providence. But outside of that, like everything's just sort of went the way it was supposed to go. The teams that were supposed to win won. Um, did anything at all stand out to you? Um, not particularly. Actually, I did expect Butler to lose at Providence. I just thought they were ripe to get picked off there. And um, I still think Butler's going to be an interesting team because come tournament time, no matter where they end up with their seeding because of the wins they have, um, I actually I, I find it. Largely untrue when people say anyone can get beat, eh, whatever. Like I get, I get the sentiment there. But Butler's like, if you want to look at a team that's like a top twenty level kind of team, Butler's the one team that I actually think has the greatest uh, spectrum between. Oh yeah, they're in the Final Four again, or wow, they lost by ten in the first round. I don't think there's any team that would be on the six line or higher that's can match Butler in terms of that. So that didn't surprise me too much. Notre Dame, just real quick on Notre Dame. So they uh, they hit some snags. They were looking good, and then they they took. They took on, you know, too many losses overall. But now they're going to be in a good spot here. That win was pretty big for for the Irish. They've got a soft schedule down the stretch here. They got Boston College and North Carolina State both on the road. Um, not a guarantee that they'll win both games, but if they can get both those, then they have G-Tech and Boston College at home, finish up with Louisville. So Notre Dame might do itself well heading into the ACC tournament to kind of reestablish its seed line and all of that. Um, I was just real quick. I uh, well on Notre Dame real quick because okay. they fell out of the top twenty-five AP top twenty-five poll last week, and I like didn't even notice until I was updating the top twenty-five and one, and I realized Notre Dame wasn't on the top twenty-five scoreboard. You know, when you go look at the top twenty-five scoreboards, like they weren't on there, and they were playing. I guess it was Wake Forest. So I was like, oh wow, like AP voters dropped Notre Dame out. Like why? And the reason is obvious. They were on a four-game losing streak. But if you look at like they were on a four-game losing streak and they had lost five of six. But when you looked at the losses. They had lost at Florida State, to Virginia, at Georgia Tech, at the buzzer. And I know that's not great, but, like, North Carolina lost at Georgia Tech, too. Like, Georgia Tech's got some wins this year. And then they lost to Duke, and then they lost at North Carolina. And so, I look, you never want to take that many losses. I'm confident Mike Bray was going crazy. But, like, you could still lose all those games and be a top 25 team. And I even wrote about it, I think, after the Wake Forest win. Like, the idea that people don't think Notre Dame is a top 25 team is just is silly to me. Like, look at, the, look at the losses they've taken. Really, if you look at all their losses, Villanova, Purdue, Florida State, Virginia, Duke, Carolina. One loss to an unranked team. Meantime, they've got victories over Northwestern, over 
Louisville, over Clemson, over Miami, over Virginia Tech, over Syracuse. Like, that was a top 25 team with a top 25 resume. They just took a whole bunch of losses, and AP voters just flipped out. But they'll be back in on Monday afternoon, I would assume, because in this past week, they get the Wake Forest win, which is a good win. Wake Forest, the top 35 Kimpom team. And, uh, and then they get a Florida State win uh, by double digits. Florida State was somebody the selection committee thought was worthy of a two-seed um, in the uh, hypothetical you know, brackets that they put together over the weekend. So Notre Dame will get back in the AP poll on Monday, I'm assuming, but they should have never dropped out. Yeah, I, I would agree. So in terms of the weekend, um, what stands out? So I was at NC State Wake Forest. I know that's not wasn't a marquee game by any means, but I was I was basically a situation where I had enough time before my flight out of there to, uh, to scoot over to Winston-Salem. Had never been. Why not? Check out uh, a pro prospect in John Collins and uh, another, obviously, uh, top five uh, pick in Dennis Smith. And so I saw that game. So my takeaway, GP, from the weekend, though, is that we have two coaches whose fan bases are now really uh, starting to get vocal about wanting to get them fired again. And we won't get into the coaching carousel for a good uh, few weeks here still. But I did uh, talk with Mark Gottfried at NC State. Indiana also lost. I'll get to that in just a second. Um, NC State fans are increasingly frustrated um, because this is arguably the most disappointing team in the country this year. And they've got some competition for that. I thought NC State would finish in the top three of the ACC. They, they are brutal, and um, they flat out gave up. They were just down early against Wake, didn't have any fight. And you know, I, I spoke to Dennis a couple of days prior to the game and, and asked him about. He's never lost at, at this rate ever. You know, no, no matter what kind of Lee High School AU, he's never had losing like this. So I was asking him how he was taking that, and um, not well. But he does seem to have a, a certain. I say that he didn't say this to me. I say this from my perspective. He is not happy with this season, but at the same time, I think he's got enough maturity to know that he is going to the NBA and uh, bigger and brighter days will probably be ahead, even though he'll probably go to a bad team. Interesting guy. Gave me a lot. But as for Gottfried, they're in an interesting situation because their AD is is like two years out from from stepping down and leaving. And so if they want Gottfried out, okay, then she hires another coach. And will that coach be in good standing with whomever takes over at the AD spot? The NC State situation is really weird. They're dying to get Archie Miller to go there. Personally speaking, not ask Archie about this. Don't have the intel. I don't see why Archie Miller would go to NC State. That is like the dream hire for state fans. He played there. I get it. Don't see that happening. I don't but see that happening see. either. I don't see it. Because, listen, Archie Miller is in a position where he can have a top 15 job, maybe top 10 job in, in the sport when he wants it. He's not going to go yeah. to NC State. All right, listen, if Arch was just trying to bounce from Dayton ASAP, like he could have done that already. He has – I'm not saying he's copying Shaka because, like, he's his own man. He's got his own goals. But, like, he's following the same map that Shaka followed at VCU, also in the Atlantic 10. Just keep winning here, which he's doing, first place, Atlantic 10. Uh, just keep winning here. And don't don't take the and Shaka never said this, but just trust me, this was this was Shaka's way of thinking. If you've got a B job now, and I should be careful with that phrase, if you've got a B level job right now, don't take a B plus job. You can get from where you're at now. You can get to the A job. You can get to the top ten job in America from this job. You don't have to do a middle step. So don't do the middle step. And so Shaka was never going to go from VCU to North Carolina State. He was going to go VCU to Texas or VCU to Louisville or VCU to Kentucky or VCU to Ohio State. And I, I think the same thing with Arch. Um, 
perhaps, you know, it being his alma mater could be a, a, a something that matters to him. But uh, I would be shocked if he's the next coach at North Carolina State. Uh, I, think, I think he's more likely to be the next coach at Ohio State, the next coach at Louisville, one of those types of jobs. Yeah. And, sure. and, and uh, no, North Carolina State is not one of those types of jobs, no matter what North Carolina State fans uh, think. And I think a lot of state fans understand that, though they wish it was better, um, and they've got a laundry list of reasons why it's not even uh, close to that. Indiana is now in free fall, would not be a tournament team if the tournament started today, and now it's got to do a whole hell of a lot to even get into the field because the Hoosiers lost at home by 12 to Michigan. Photos were sent out on Twitter. I mean, the place looked maybe 60% full at Assembly Hall. They're on a three-game losing streak. Have lost five of six GP, and now they got to turn around. They got to play against a Minnesota team that's fighting for its life to, you know, to stay on the bubble and be in the at-large picture. Then they got to go play against Iowa. Then their next game is at home against a Northwestern team that could also be, you know, just dying to get into the tournament and might need a win in a huge way. And then I'm not even done. They play at Purdue and then at Ohio State for the next five games in the regular season to close out the year are on the road. Indiana is not going to be in the NCAA tournament. They could, if this really goes sideways, not even qualify in the NIT. This, of course, leads people to believe that Tom Crean should be fired. They've got his buyout watch, which drops significantly on July 1. I'll remind everyone that Indiana made the Sweet 16 last year. Tom Crean won the freaking league. <laughs> they won 27 games. I don't see how Tom Crean gets fired, but I know right now as we record this podcast on Sunday night, Hoosier fans are absolutely lighting up social media and message boards wanting to know when this guy can leave. I'm just telling you. I mean, Gottlieb tweeted. I might as well tweet, say what Gottlieb tweeted that there's buzz in college basketball if Crean will kind of dip out and, and hit like a soft landing job similar to um, – who am I thinking that did this? Josh, did pa- this Josh Pastner just did it. That's exactly, yeah. There we go. Pastner leaves Memphis and goes to Tech. Um, I cannot speak to the validity of that. Godley probably has some people that have told him as much, but I, my prediction well, t- is that Indiana has come green on the sideline next season. Here's what, I, here's what I can tell you, is that there have been people who have suggested to Tom to do that before. Like before last year's team that won the Big Ten. So it would have been after the 2014-15 season. There were people I know who were pushing him, like not pushing him, but just saying, hey, like you might want to parachute out of this thing because you go into a year where you're on the hot seat. If it doesn't go well, you're going to get fired. And he he resisted that. Like he would not even, to, to my knowledge, he wouldn't even seriously consider it. And there were some opportunities out there like, hey, if you want to get involved here, we can get you involved here. And my understanding was that he just like, no, I'm the Indiana coach. I'm not walking away from Indiana. And it went well. Like they won the Big Ten outright last year, won 27 games, went to the Sweet 16. Like you said, here's the problem. And I've said this before. I've written this before. And this is a perfect example of it. Once you get on the hot seat, you never get off of it. Once, once you get on the hot seat, you never get off. Even if you have a great season, like last season, your next bad season, you're right back on it, if not fired. Yeah, like Once you get on the hot seat, you're, you're typically one more bad season from being gone, almost regardless of when that bad season actually comes. And so here we are uh, with Tom at Indiana. I, I would say two things. One, his best player is hurt, and two other players have missed, ex- missed extended periods of time. Like, th- does that not matter to anybody as it relates to whether somebody should keep their job? Like, it seems sort of crazy. Like, this is a team that, when fully healthy, was beating – who did they beat early? Kansas and beat Duke? South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, Kansas and Carolina, right? Yeah, Kansas and Carolina. And I don't – and those could be – GP, those could both rate as top ten wins by the end of the right. season. And I wonder if we've ever had a situation where a team has won – games against two top 10 teams 
and not uh, had a not large bit of the tournament. Right. Yeah. So it just yeah. So it just it's like if I were an Indiana fan, I would be frustrated, but then I would go, OG got hurt. Thomas has missed time. James has missed time. Eh, we just got unlucky this year. You know, like what? Like I mean, that's really what it is. You just got unlucky with health. I mean, if you want to speak to larger problems within the program, like I'll you know I'll let somebody who covers Indiana every day speak to that. I'm just saying, on a very basic level, the idea that you would lose your job a year after winning the Big Ten outright, based off of little more, I think, than your your whole damn roster got hurt, seems insane to me. But like, whatever. I, 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 I've watched athletic directors and fan bases do insane things previously, and, and, and I'm sure there'll be more to come in the future. Um, but it is true. Like, let's say that he does keep his job. And, and the other thing, like the buyout drops on July 1st. Well, you can't wait and fire somebody on July 1st. That's just that's just if you're going to do it, you got to do it, you know, like soon as this is over or or not. But like waiting till July 1st to save some money. Uh, that would it wouldn't be worth the money you're saving uh, if you're trying to run a big time basketball program. Uh, but either way, it comes back next year. He is definitely on the hot seat. Like he's on all those hot seat lists. You, you know uh, that'll be printed in October and November, and it makes you wonder. Like, yes, yeah, should you, um, you know, should you look around and just say, hey, you know, quality of life, um, peace of mind, fresh start, lowered expectations. Is it time to just go? Um, that is what Josh Pastner did. You know, he just said, "Listen, I got a, I got an opportunity to get out of here, to remove myself from this in, incredibly stressful and and uh, situation where my fans have turned on me," and and he did it. And I thought he was smart. I think what Tom might argue, and I want to be very clear, these are these are words he's never said to me, but that his career is good enough now that if he did get fired, you could ride this thing out to just to whenever it's over. Just, hey, you know what? They're going to fire me someday. Whenever that day happens, I can still get another job. The way Mark Godfrey got North Carolina State, like I can still go get another job. I don't have to parachute out for another job. Even if I get fired, I'll still be able to go get another good job after this Indiana job, no matter when that is. And I think that might be true. Like, I, I, couldn't you see Tom getting another good job after this job, even if he got fired in Indiana? I could see Tom, obviously then it depends on how it ends here in Indiana, would definitely get another job. Um, I would not anticipate that he would get a job at like a top 30, but yes, top, a top 50. That would be, that would be just my broad expectation. Right. That would be. So if that's, if that's your mindset, like, Hey, I can get a top, let's just split the difference. I can get a top 40 job no matter what, no matter when, even if I get fired. Why do you walk away from Indiana and all this guaranteed money to take another job? Like let's let's make in, let's let's tr- let's ride the Indiana thing as long as we can ride it, and then when inevitably what happens to me? What happens to most coaches happens to me, which is they pull the trigger on it. Uh, then I'll go I'll go get a top forty job somewhere else, and then uh, and I'll try to I'll try to kill that one, and then and then we'll call it a career. Whatever. I, I just um, sometimes guys got to get parachuted out because if you don't, it could ruin your whole career. But I, I wonder how much difference there is between the job he could parachute to and the job he'd be able to get if he theoretically got fired anyway. Like how much it's, – is it basically the same job? And if it's basically the same job, why not just write it out? But I, I do think – and I wanted this to be very clear. I think it's crazy that he would be at risk of losing his job in this season. And I don't I, think there's risk. I, yeah, I, I don't either because I just don't I, think – I, I don't think anybody's that crazy. Like he won the Big, 12, Big Ten outright last year. 
was having a good season this year. And, and like you could reasonably say three of his most, his three most important players got hurt at various times. And one was lost for the season. What are you going to do? Are you telling me somebody else could win under these circumstances? If so, if you, yeah, go hire that guy. If you, if you can find somebody who could win when their one, when their best player uh, projected lottery pick is gone for the season and two other players have missed significant amounts of time two two like the two other top three players. Like if you can find somebody that can win under those circumstances, congratulations. But most, most coaches couldn't. And to, to, you can be disappointed and frustrated, but the idea that that would cost somebody their job injuries, that seems silly to me. I hear you. Uh, let me tell you about SeatGeek real quick. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long, long time. But then SeatGeek came along, completely changed the game. Here's why. Uh, when I used to go looking for tickets online, secondary market, I'm checking this site, checking that site, checking this site. I don't ever know if I'm getting the best deal. I don't know if I buy it over here. Is it going to pop up better over there? I, I'm spending a lot of time in a life where I don't have a lot of time. Uh, SeatGeek. They can handle that for you. They'll search multiple ticket sites for you to ensure you get the best possible deal. They handle the price comparison for you. So you do less work and you save time and you save money. So here's what you want to do. Go get the SeatGeek app. Download the app. Then purchase tickets to whatever you're doing. Basketball game, baseball game, football game, concert. Doesn't matter. Purchase your tickets and then use the code COLLEGEBB. That's B. B and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That's College BB promo code. Go download the app SeatGeek. SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. Uh, Monday night, not a great night of college basketball games. You get West Virginia at Kansas, Baylor at Texas Tech. On Tuesday, nothing great there. Tennessee at Kentucky would probably be the most high-profile game, but I don't think anybody expects Tennessee to to challenge Kentucky inside Rupp Arena. Uh, you think Kansas is at risk against West Virginia or Baylor at Texas Tech? I think, I think Baylor has its hands full uh, with Texas Tech on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, well, Texas Tech, yeah, I think Baylor, that could be, that's one to watch. I know that's a, that's a college hoop diehard game. I mean, if you're a casual fan, you're not checking in on Texas Tech. But listen, they sh- they should have beaten Kansas. Uh, that was They got out barely by one point. Uh, controversial no call on a screen uh, near the end of that game for Kansas. It helps them notch the win. Texas Tech is a team that has a miserable non-conference schedule. I do not blame. In fact, I don't know how much Chris Beard inherited with that schedule and how much he had to schedule on his own, but he is stepping into a new situation. Uh, brutal. It ranks as the worst non-conference schedule in all of college basketball. I say that to say, to steal a phrase from GP, um, Texas Tech was only going to get into the NCAA tournament if it can really get some damage done within its league. And so having a home game against Baylor would vault the Red Raiders into the large picture in a, in a significant way because after this they got to go to West Virginia over the weekend and they still got games against Oklahoma State and Kansas State on the road. Those are both bubble teams within the league. This is a big opportunity for Chris Beard, who's a, a really solid coach, and I'll be interested to see how Baylor handles that game. Uh, because the the Bears have you know the Big Twelve in general it's it's, it's legit I mean they but they've got Kansas coming up next and I don't think they, that they, if they lost GP they would be a victim necessarily of looking ahead but Kansas goes to Waco on Saturday if Baylor can win against Texas Tech then it sets itself up in a legitimate way to maybe steal the Big Twelve regular season from the Jayhawks if they can win that game West Virginia at Kansas obviously ties into all of this because the the Jayhawks you know they were picked off. 
what last Saturday? I think it was last Saturday. Iowa State, Iowa State got an overtime. Yeah, so uh, they West Virginia is. I think West Virginia is a team that a lot of people can't really. They have a hard time accepting. Okay, oh yeah, this is this is a top ten team in America or whatever, and if they can steal it at Kansas, because obviously they've already beaten Kansas once in a huge way back in mid-January, that would be, I mean, that would just be huge. That's one of those things where, like, if they won at Kansas and then kind of did whatever down the stretch, got some wins, maybe got a loss or two, people might look up and be like, whoa, West Virginia's a three-seed in the tournament? Well, yeah, if you sweep Kansas and stuff like that, get a win at Virginia, which they already have. They've already defeated defeated Baylor. West Virginia could wind up, I think, being better on the seed line at the end of the season than people think if they beat Kansas. But I do think Kansas will win overall. And then to wrap it up, yeah, Kentucky against Tennessee. That's not much look to look forward to. Is that really the best thing on Tuesday, GP? Uh, there's the best nothing th- else. There's nothing great. I'll I'll run you through it. The top twenty-five teams that are playing: Florida at Auburn, Tennessee at Kentucky, Rutgers at Purdue. Only three. Oh, only three games on Tuesday night. That unless like the the schedule I'm looking at is not right, but like I don't, no, no, yeah. that, listen, and maybe one or two teams that aren't ranked now become right. ranked Monday, and we get it. But whatever. That's that's pretty bleak. Florida just. Florida getting tripped up at Auburn wouldn't shock me, uh, but Florida's a good team. Um, Mike White's doing a great job there this year, but yeah, it's 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 fairly it's fairly bleak until our next podcast update. Um, but whatever, like it's it's the crunch is here. I mean, next thing you know, we I mean, we are just coming up on the end of the season already. Can't even believe it. I mean, do you expect though to kind of circle this back to UGP? I mean, do you expect? Either of the Big 12's, you know, number one seeds as of now, according to the committee, Kansas and Baylor, you think either will lose on? Oh, I, I think I think Baylor could lose at Texas Tech. I, I think t- Baylor could lose at Texas Tech for sure. I don't know that they will, but they can. You have to understand, like Kansas almost just lost at Texas Tech, right? They, they Frank Mason fouled out. They needed Josh Jackson to like be awesome. He went out, got thirty-one points, acted like he was Devin Downey. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Terry Teagle. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Um, so Josh Jackson was great, but without Josh Jackson being great, Kansas probably takes a L at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, if you look at their record, sixteen and nine. So you go, oh, what's the, nine losses? Seven of the losses are by single digits. I believe the past four are by a total of ten points. The past two at TCU and at home to Kansas by one point each. So they've been in a bunch of games with a bunch of good teams. They've just been on the wrong end of it at the end. But uh, but that's a, a legitimate basketball team, like top 40 at Ken Palm. And I think we talked about this on a recent podcast. I don't care whether you're you know, Villanova, Baylor, Arizona. If you're on the road, anybody. If you're on the road against a legitimate top forty Ken Palm team, like you're gonna, you you like you're at risk. And by the way, um, th- that was my other main takeaway from the bracket reveal. There is not much difference between these teams, like the top sixteen teams in America. Like how about this? In the East, Villanova was the one, UCLA was the two. Who you like better? I mean, no, UCLA was the four. Yeah, it was the four. Yeah. yeah. Who you like better? I mean, we were asked to play out this imaginary bracket like as if it was getting played, and I actually took UCLA to come out of the region. I did too. Dude, you picked you. I think you picked UCLA to win the whole thing, didn't you? Yeah, I got caught up in a moment. I got caught up in it's a moment. Okay. I got caught up. I got caught up. It's okay. We're, we all get caught up. It's all good. No, but like uh, this is the way I rationalized it. Um, is that obviously you know they they have issues on the defensive end, but they, but they look like 
like not too big of issues in the final 14 minutes of that Oregon game. But like when UCLA's at its best, and it's hard to be at your best six straight games. And when you don't guard the way they don't guard, not at your best can get you beat at any point. So like I understand all of that. But like I think UCLA at its best might just be better than everybody else. Like when UCLA is rolling, I think they're I think the best version of UCLA might be better than anybody else's best version. And so I could rationalize it that way. Now they'll probably lose in the Sweet 16, but whatever. Um, yeah, I picked UCLA to win the whole thing after the bracket reveal was revealed. But here's my point. Villanova's the one. UCLA's the four. We could have a re- – like, you and I both picked UCLA to beat them, all right? So there ain't much difference between those two teams. In the Midwest, Kansas is the one. Duke is the four. Who you like better? I know. Like, there ain't I, much – I took Kansas. Yeah, there ain't I much know. difference. Okay, in the South. Baylor's yeah, Kansas, by the way, beat Duke only by two points on a last second shot on a neutral floor right. in November. So, okay, so like let's just, just stay in the Midwest for a second. Kansas is the one. Uh, Florida State's the two. Arizona's the three. Duke's the four. I bet you would take the three and the four over the two. And, and here's what I think. I would take the three and the four, Duke and Arizona, over Florida State, the two. And I don't think there's hardly any difference at all between the one, three, and the four. Between Kansas, Arizona, and Duke. Know. And the two has more quality wins right, at right, the top right. than all of them. I know. It's I, might, I might just be judging them based on their Florida State as opposed to Kansas. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, name stuff. But, like, there ain't much difference between those teams. Okay, go to the South. Baylor's the one. Butler's the four. I think we probably both like ba- Baylor over Butler. But um, Baylor's the one. North Carolina's the two. Who would you take? A lot of people, everybody take North Carolina. I would take Carolina on a neutral right now over yeah, Baylor. Everybody, everybody would. Because it's just Baylor. I just, I, especially after seeing Carolina in person, I would take them. And then Gonzaga's the one in the West. Oregon's the two. Who do you like? I like Gonzaga, but I actually would love to see that matchup. Okay, how about this? Gonzaga's the one. West Virginia's the four. Who do you like? Oh, my gosh. That is, I like Gonzaga, but see, that's why I love the tournament, man. We don't get a lot of that. And when we get it in November, it's different because they're, you know, the teams are coming together. It's the early part of the season. There's still th- things to be figured out. When you get them in March, everyone's developed. Man, that is awesome. Well, like, yeah, like when you when you looked at that, that, that was my main takeaway. And I, I, I apologize for not mentioning when we were actually talking about the bracket reveal at the top. But, like, you look at those teams that are put, you know, put against each other. And there ain't like you could take those numbers and scramble. No, you can't take the numbers and scramble them anyway. That's that's not right, because there are teams that deserve to be the one seeds. Like Villanova is, it clearly has a better resume than UCLA. Kansas clearly has a better resume than Duke. Baylor clearly has a better resume than North Carolina. Gonzaga clearly has a better resume than Oregon. But like once we start the tournament and none of that matters anymore, we're just playing. Like. There ain't much difference between any of those teams. I could, almost no combination of Final Four teams based off of the bracket the selection committee uh, unveiled Saturday. Al- almost like I would be surprised if Butler got there, but almost any other combination would make would make sense on some level. And so it really does suggest that we are headed for what should be a a fun uh, NCAA tournament. Not that they're not always fun, but um, this one I think by the time we get to the Sweet Sixteen. Like, every game is going to be basically a coin flip game. Like, the ones and the fours, there aren't going to be much difference between them. Usually there is. I don't think there is this year. The twos and the threes, uh, obviously, no. almost yeah, no I mean, difference. yes and no, because a double-digit seed makes the second weekend yeah. every damn year. Yeah, so. you know but, what I mean, yeah, though. I yeah, if we got to yeah. ones and fours, I don't think there'd be hardly – we'd be in coin flip games on that Thursday and Friday of the Sweet 16, and that's that's not always the case. So um, that was just something I noticed. Man, I don't know who – like, I know, here's a one and here's a four, and I don't know that I wouldn't take the four over the one. So it was just a, a reminder that, yes, there are teams that have had great seasons – 
But when you start saying, all right, but do you trust him to beat this team? Like, there's not a whole lot of difference between the ones and the fours uh, right now. Um, remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Thank you all for listening, and especially to Jennifer. She knows who she is. Sent a really nice and long note just to say she enjoys the podcast. She mentioned you by name, too, Norlander. It wasn't just me. It was you as well. She says she enjoys the podcast, that it takes a some stress away from her sometimes stressful life, which means we're like uh, medicinal marijuana. We're basically medicinal marijuana in the form of a podcast. So that's cool to know. Shouts to Jennifer. We will talk again on Wednesday. Till then, take care.